this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want to hear more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus show to members only on the website. So if that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. And just last Thursday, we released the part two of the secret military Enochian technology where Charlie made his return back to the show to tell us what happened to him after that episode was released. People have been loving that episode on the website. So if you missed last week's show, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, the show's waiting there for you right there on the confessionalspodcast.com for the members only section. And if you want to stay prepared in your life, you never know when that emergency is going to hit and you want to make sure that you and your family are good, go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And there you can get yourself emergency supply food and emergency gear that you will be prepared for in any kind of emergency, not just food, but all the survival stuff is right there at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And if you want more video in your life, the YouTube channel for The Confessionals is up and running and thriving. Go and subscribe to The Confessionals on YouTube. That's where we're going to be releasing the Legion of Legends show that I'm going to be producing here shortly and many more shows to come with Legion of Legends. If you don't want to miss an episode of that show, go to The Confessionals on YouTube, hit subscribe, because that's where Legion of Legends is going to be. And before we get to today's show, I want to give a special shout out to somebody who is a very faithful listener to The Confessionals, and that is Curtis Wyatt. And why am I giving Curtis Wyatt a shout out? And that's because he recently just celebrated two years sobriety, and I think that's something to be celebrated. So my friend Curtis Thank you very much for listening to the show and congratulations on celebrating that two-year sobriety. I know it is hard when you have an addiction to kick it and for doing it two years, 
that seems like a lifetime, I'm sure, but you have a whole lifetime ahead of you of sobriety where the journey is just beginning, my friend. So congratulations and keep up the awesome life transformation. Now, today we have Chris coming on the show, and Chris wrote a book called Paranormal Laredo, and he comes on the show to talk about all these paranormal things that happen in Laredo, Texas. We just scratched the surface with Chris today. There is a ton of stuff happening in Laredo, and Chris comes on the show to talk about it, including his own, very own, Rake Encounter. So let's get to Chris right now. All right, today we have a great guest coming on. We have Sir Chris James. How are you? Pretty good, sir. I'm glad you're here. And uh, oh, before we go any further, I I'm all new at this. Everybody, I gotta hit record. Recording in progress. There we go. Now we're recording on Zoom the video. So, uh, Chris, you are a podcaster. You're yes, an author. You're 26 and a half years retired border, border patrol agent. Uh, and I'm sure I'm missing something as oh, you said you were a, para, a, a, a paramedic at one time. Uh, what? Let, let's, let's start out with this. What have you not done with your life? So. Hmm. I've never worked in a restaurant. Okay. Well, uh, I worked for a trucking company. I was a firefighter. I was a paramedic with the border patrol. Uh, Drove a bulldozer when I was 16 until they found out how old it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, also ran a crane until they found out how old it was. Uh, just you name it. I've tried my hand at it. Uh, the Border Patrol was the funnest job I ever had, at least for the first 20 years. The last six, it kind of went downhill a bit. Uh, when you start getting old and beat up, you can't perform as good as you want to, but I stuck it out anyway, because as the paramedic, you know, it's like, well, I don't have to chase anybody They're They're laying on the ground. I just walk up to them. It's a, it's a weird yeah. situation, but it worked. No, it sounds like, I mean, listen, you have worn many hats in your life and your most recent hat is the podcasting and the uh, writing books, which you've written a lot of different stuff. I started out writing horror and I discovered real fast that the people that read horror, some of them are not very nice when it comes to reviews and emails and things like that. They expect everybody to be a Dean Koontz or yeah. uh, some you're really the best in the world. If you're not the best, they're going to tell you. So one day I got to thinking, well, why don't I write some humor? And I discovered real fast that humor is about twice as hard to write as horror. Because just because I think it's funny doesn't mean anybody else is going to think it's funny. So I was constantly having to say things to my wife to see if she would laugh. <laughs> and if she just stared at me, I knew, well, I guess I'm going to have to change that in the book. And after I had written several humor stories, a friend of mine who ran the local paranormal research group the laredo paranormal research society they were looking for somebody to write a book about their endeavors their history 
And I told him, hey, I'll give it a, a shot. Let's see what happens. And so for the next year, I'm hanging around with the LPRS, uh, going on ghost hunts, UFO sightings, reading all of their case notes, listening to EVPs over and over, trying to make sure that what I'm hearing is actually a recording of something and not something somebody's slipping over on me. I didn't want to say a lot of good things about these people and then find out later I'd been had. Yeah. Uh, after a year of this, I discovered they're the real thing. So I wrote the Laredo Paranormal Research Society's history. And when I finished, I swore I was never going to write another nonfiction book because it's work. It's 10 times the work of fiction because to begin with, it has to be true. That's what nonfiction is. Then it has to make sense. In a fictional story, if you want a guy's revolver to fire 27 bullets, well, it fires 27 bullets. It doesn't work that way in reality. So nonfiction, it has to add up. We were doing a ghost hunt uh, investigation out at our local fort, military fort, called Fort McIntosh. It's now the Laredo College, and it was open to all the students and all the staff. And we were wandering around doing the ghost hunts, looking at different things. And the president of the college said, has anybody ever written anything about the fort? And, of course, everybody turned and looked at me, and I'm like, well, there's a page about it in the LPRS book. So as soon as I got home, even though I said I wasn't going to do it, I started writing Fort McIntosh and the Paranormal. That's when I first found out a lot about the little girl, which will come up a lot in the future. Once I finished Fort McIntosh and the Paranormal, I had a whole lot of stories that people had told me that didn't have anything to do with the fort. Lots of ghost sightings and UFO sightings. And it's like, well, I've almost got a book written here. I might as well go ahead and hammer it out. And that's when I came up with Paranormal Laredo. It was all the things given to me by people while I was writing the third, the second book. And it was uh, an eye-opener. I had no idea that Laredo was such a interesting town. And the way I approach people is it kind of worries my wife, I think. If I'm standing in line at a restaurant, at a, a grocery store, I'll just turn to anybody standing around me and I'll say, have you ever seen a ghost? Are you serious? That's how you go? Wow. And a lot of people will give me really weird looks. Then I'll hand them my business card and they'll say, look, I am a writer and I'm looking for stories. And I've gotten a lot of really good stories that way. And sometimes it's not the person I'm talking to. I was at a Luby's cafeteria and I asked the server. She said, no, never seen a ghost. And the guy standing in line behind me says, hey, I live in a haunted house. And about a week later, I'm sitting in his living room. And he's telling me everything there is about the weird things going on in his home. Uh, like I said, I had no idea Laredo was such an interesting town until I started on that third book, uh, Paranormal Laredo. And when I first got to Laredo, 1988, the first thing I hear about is there's a ghost of a little girl that hangs out in the shopping mall. Uh, Mall del Norte. And I kept hearing this story from different people. 
And of course, I'd ask them, well, did you ever see it? No, but I know somebody that saw it. Well, that's kind of good, but that's not quite what I'm looking for. And I just listened, but I didn't write any of it down because at the time I wasn't writing. Well, when I started writing Paranormal Laredo, I thought, what's the worst thing could possibly happen? I went to the mall. I went to the front office. And I walked in and I asked the gal standing behind the desk if she knew anything at all about the ghost of the little girl. She called security. but for a good reason the security guards came and they talked to me for the next two days telling me all the stories about the little girl that has been seen hanging around in the store in the mall wow she's about eight to ten years old has long brown curly hair she's always got on a white dress that comes down to her knees her shoes have buttons on them which they stopped doing that in 1917. Sometimes she has a balloon. Sometimes she has a doll. And sometimes she doesn't have anything. She just sits on a bench in front of the Sears store. And the cleaning staff who see her the most have gotten to a point they ignore her. They'll see her and it's like, oh, she, don't, don't look. There's the, that little girl again. Because if they approach her, if they acknowledge her, she just disappears. Wow, And it's one thing to see a little girl, but to watch a little girl vanish, I guess it's a little more unnerving. And like I said, for two days, I sat in the office at the mall, listening to people telling me their stories about either seeing the little girl or seeing something that she had been involved in. They walked through the, the place at night when it's pitch black outside and it's dark. And they'll hear somebody crying. And it's like, it's coming from inside a store that's all locked up. Now they've got a choice. Do they call, get the key holder to come unlock the building so they can go in there and search, knowing there's nobody in there? Or do they ignore it? But it's gotten to a point where it is so common. It's just everybody is encountering it. They pretty much ignore it now. Just because they know there's nobody in there. Uh, but yeah, this little girl... Nobody knows who she is. And what's really bizarre, when I was writing the book about Fort McIntosh and the paranormal, the police officers that work at the college were telling me about encounters with a little girl. Long brown curly hair, white dress, shoes with buttons on them. And she's been seen all over the college at night in places where little girls shouldn't be, like in, inside the motor pool walking into the the chapel which is now uh trying to think what the chapel the chapel is now like a museum i believe uh they just they keep seeing her all over the place and my big question is is this the same little girl that is being seen in the mall because the description is the same so as i'm going through life i'm talking to different people the girl at the mall that does the, the, the one that started me talking to the security guys told me that I should talk to the folks out at the arena, the uh, Sames arena or sports place, because they've seen the little girl out there too. It's about 20 miles from the college to the arena. Uh, security guard sitting in his booth, looking at the cameras. He sees a little girl wandering around in the parking lot. And his description 
long brown curly hair and a white dress. He didn't see her shoes because he wasn't that good of a camera. He sends the cleaning staff out to get this little girl because the arena is in the middle of nowhere. There aren't a lot of houses around it. The cleaning staff run into the parking lot. They're running around looking for this girl and they call on the walkie-talkie like, we don't see her. Where is she? And the security guard said, she's standing right next to you. And the cleaning staff turned and all ran, ran inside, locked the door, uh, scared the heck out of them. Uh, this same little girl has been seen in a school, walking up and down the hallway. You know, teacher sees a kid running around the hallway. They're supposed to be in class. So the teacher goes to see who this kid is, what they're doing, and kid vanishes. Been seen a few other places, too. And it gets me to wondering, is it really a ghost or is it something pretending to be a ghost like uh you know the story of the exorcist yeah sure the true story this this kid was trying to contact his aunt who had died and something comes through the ouija board saying yes i'm your aunt and talks to him and he talks to it the next thing you know he's possessed uh he thought it was his aunt he was communicating with turned out to not be his aunt what if this little girl isn't really a little girl, it's something else? These are the sort of things that pop into my head when I'm talking to these people, because why would a girl, 8, 10 years old, what would trap her spirit on this plane of existence? doesn't make sense. You know, they talk about the unfinished business. They talk about people who die in violent uh, crimes or uh, accidents. But for an eight, 10 year old, I don't see them having the same anchor uh, keeping them here. So it makes me wonder what is it that all these people are seeing? Uh, the, the prevalence is just shocking. If you look at the cover of the book, that picture that my sister-in-law drew for me, that is one of the stories in the book also. When these, this woman that works with my... This woman that my wife knows, I should say, used to live near the college. And late at night, she would hear somebody knocking on the window. She'd look out the window, and this little girl and this little boy would be standing right outside the window telling her to come out and play. And this woman's like, no, my dad said I can't do it. She's about 8, 10 years old at the time. The girl would go away, and then she'd come back a couple of nights later, knock on the window, invite her to come out and play. Well, finally, this woman told her dad what was going on, and her dad said, that's crazy. That window's five feet off the ground. How can this little girl be standing up in the window? Uh, <laughs> the house is no longer there. They tore it down and built a, a warehouse there. But once again, the description, blonde curly hair, I mean, brown curly hair, eight, 10 years old, white dress down to her knees. Same description, but all over town. And it's gotten me to wondering what in the world's going on around me. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes you wonder, did back in the day, a long time ago, did the, uh, did the town of Laredo do some kind of seance or, or what, you know? Couldn't find any record of it. I, 
I read the entire Laredo Morning Times archives looking for wow. any story, anything about anything close to that situation. I could never find anything. That's yeah. I, I, out of everything you just said, I find it most incredible that you read the entire archive. Well, <laughs> searched. I searched the archives. I should say. Okay. All right. Because it's man. Yeah. I, you put in. You put in. You highlight certain words. Ghost spirit and it you know that, wow. that's uh that's interesting i should look into learning how to do something like that that'd be kind of fun i spent so much time at the library that i started referring to it as my office and i would get upset when i would walk in and somebody else would be sitting in my desk <laughs> that's my spot i etched my name on the seat yes. <laughs> they, they only had one computer and if somebody else was on it i'd have to either wait or go away and come back the next day but yeah i, I started referring to it as my office, my computer. Well, I mean, um, you put enough work in there. I, I'm sure you can. The girl in the white dress has also been seen in the library. Uh, once again, uh, new guy had just gotten hired on. So he's, he's doing his best not to mess up. And he's working in the library as an assistant, uh, I guess, assistant librarian. And it's the end of the day. And so what they do is they walk through the building to make sure that everybody is exiting. And he's following a woman with three kids to make sure that they get out the door. And she turns and walks into the bathroom. Three kids walk into the bathroom with her. So this guy is standing there waiting for her to come out so he can make sure she leaves the building. The woman walks out of the bathroom with two kids. And she left the building. He's like, Where'd the little girl in the white dress go? So he calls over one of the female security guards and asks her to go check the bathroom. She goes in, she looks, she comes back out. It's like, mm, nobody in there. And then she kind of laughs and says, it must have been the ghost. So welcome to the Laredo Library. Uh, weird story, but... Uh, that's what happens when you ask people if they've ever seen a ghost. They'll tell you if they have. Yeah. And some of them will surprise you. Yeah, I, I've learned that as well. I mean, just being a podcaster, people find out what you do with the podcast. And all of a sudden, people that you've known mm -hmm. for a long time will come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I saw a UFO and this, that, and the other. I had a guy, I live about five minutes from a power plant, a uh, nuclear power plant. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, that I had a guy that I worked with. He came to me and he's like, man, I'm telling you. Actually, two guys uh, separately came to me to tell me that they saw UFOs flying around the power plant years ago. And it's like un unsolicited stories that people just come and tell you when they know what you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I've had people send me texts. I just saw a UFO flying over Father McNabo Park. It was a giant triangle that was following the river, soundless. And I asked them, give me some more details, you know, with date, time, this, that, and the other thing. All of a sudden, they didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. Somebody got to them. Men in black situation, I don't know. But uh, they were very talkative. And then all of a sudden, they were very quiet. I, I don't know what happened. Do you think it, it, it maybe the idea of knowing that you could publish the story kind of scared them? I was. I have a lot of police officers who tell me their sightings, their weird happenings, and they know that. You know, I'll ask them. 
what name do you want me to publish this under? And they'll tell me, you'll call me this, call me that, make up a name. A few of them have actually said, go ahead, use my name. I don't care. They're close to retirement when they do that. Sure. But a lot of, uh, so I have a pretty good reputation with most people that they know, you know, tell me what you saw, when you saw it, tell me what name to use. It has to be a story that I'm going to believe. It has to be a story that they believe. You know, they actually saw it. They've heard of it, but they don't have to use their name. And so there, it, it was a, a struggle when I was writing Paranormal Laredo, trying to assign names to people that I hadn't already used. I think I may have used the same name for six, seven different uh, characters simply because I'm not that creative when it comes to to coming yeah. up with good names. We're we're in the same boat because sometimes when I need an alias and stuff, I wind up using the same name for everybody. It's like, oh, you need an alias? Well, you're Ryan. And oh, you need an alias? Well, you're Sarah. Well, I mm -hmm. just use five Ryans in about five weeks. You know, so uh, I, I'm very unimaginative when it comes to names as well. Uh, the little girl of Laredo is popping mm -hmm. up everywhere. everywhere but the the laredo in general it's not just this little girl all over laredo and you know that's that laredo has a lot of weird things from mm -hmm. all different angles uh tell us about some of this other stuff i know you mentioned about the jeepers creepers looking yes. thing that several uh, it all started a woman was telling me her boyfriend's story. Now, he had a few beers, but he wasn't stumbling, falling down drunk. He'd had like two or three beers. So he's driving home from where he'd been, and he turned north onto McPherson at the cemetery. Uh, McPherson dead ends at the cemetery. It's a junction. And he's traveling north on McPherson. And he feels the truck he's driving, uh, like something landed, something hit it. The truck bounced really hard. And he looked in the side view mirror thinking, oh, my God, I hit a dog or I hit something. And then he looks back over his shoulder. And he said this huge bat-looking creature was in the bed of his truck. He said its elbows are resting on each fender. This was a full-size pickup. He looked back, and the first thing that ran through his mind was, I've got the Jeepers Creepers creature in the bed of my truck. And it scared him so bad, he stepped on the brakes. This thing slid forward and slams into the rear window, which is right behind his head. Bad idea. Now he's got this thing, it's like six inches from his neck. He panicked, hit the gas really hard. So the creature slid backwards across the bed of his truck, hit the tailgate, flipped over, and he continued about 100 miles an hour for the next 20 blocks, hoping that he wouldn't encounter a police officer because he's got beer on his breath. And how is he going to explain that he just had this Jeepers Creepers in the bed of his truck? When I heard this whole story, I thought, well, okay, maybe he had an overly bad imagination. Maybe he had more than two or three beers, but I'm not going to say that to him. Well, then I am talking to a woman 
And I just asked her, hey, have you ever seen anything weird? Ghost, UFO, cryptid. And she said she was sitting on the tailgate of her truck on the south side of town, which is quite a ways from McPherson. And her and her friend, they're sitting there talking back and forth, and they saw something big fly over their heads. Now, it was dark, but it wasn't pitch dark. They both looked up, and she said she saw the character from Jeepers Creepers fly over her head. She was so freaked out that her friend had to grab her, drag her to the front door of her house, and like just push her through the door, then jump in her truck and take off. And I thought, man, that's pretty weird that two people would both describe the same creature. They said it, it was it looked like the creature from the movie. It had great big bat type wings. Uh, it was shiny and it had a really nasty looking face. It's like, well, two people seeing something that gives it a little more credibility. So I'm asking around as I go from place to place. Have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever seen a UFO? Have you ever seen a cryptid? Another person says that they saw a giant bat flying over the Laredo College South Campus, which is even farther south from where the girl had been. And he said when he looked up and he saw this thing, the first thing popped into his head was, that's the thing from Jeepers Creepers. Then I started hearing farther south from a town called El Ceniso, which is a, a little town way south. It's uh, 10 miles south of Laredo. They would see this thing standing on the side of the road at night, uh, driving in and out of town. Uh, four different people reported seeing it. And it kind of makes me wonder, what in the world is flying around up in the skies of Laredo? We've got eight reports now of this thing. And everybody comes up with the same description. They'll say, did you see the movie Jeepers Creepers? That's what I saw. And it's like, what could possibly look like that that would be alive and flying around town? Uh, it's got me wondering. I spend a lot of time now staring up at the sky. Yeah, I would be too, just out of fear. My Lord, uh, it sounds terrifying. Just weird. And as far as I know, none of these people knew each other. Because it's one of these situations, I'm on the north side of town, I hand them my business card, I ask them if they've seen anything, I hear the story, I'm on the south side of town, I hand somebody a business card, they tell me the same story, how could these people possibly, hey, if, if this guy asks, you know, it doesn't add up. Yeah, there's this uh, guy, Chris James, he goes around asking yeah. for weird stories, let's all collaborate. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? No, not at all. Uh, so, I mean, would you classify that as like a, a cryptid or would you like a flying demon or what, you know? I'm going with cryptid simply because most people said it was very bat-like, like a giant bat. Uh, we did have the big bird, the one that was seen in the valley years ago, the Thunderbird. We had a few sightings of that in Laredo, but that was a long time ago. And the people were adamant that it was a giant bird. Whereas this thing, they're all saying it's a giant bat looking creature. So I'm going with cryptid until maybe we get a, a better look at it. And somebody says, we got demons in the sky or 
something else. It's it's like the Mothman. It wasn't a giant moth. It was a giant bird. But the editor of the newspaper thought it sounded cooler to call it Mothman, and that's that's why it got its name. Well, it's made a lot of money with that name, so let's not knock yes. it, right? <laughs> so- <laughs> I've I've been to Point Pleasant. I've got my picture taken standing next to the statue. Yeah, a lot of people have. I uh, believe it or not, I have not made it to Point Pleasant yet, but I will be driving through West Virginia on my way to Kentucky, and so I'm thinking I might need to make a pit stop in that. And area. you need to go to the museum and yeah. get a T-shirt or two. Yeah, you got to do stuff. I mean, it's a road trip, and uh, you know, I mean, they have the big festival and everything, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, in 2020, I was going to be a vendor there, and then everything got canceled. And, uh, you know, now I'm just like, eh, rather not be a vendor. I'd rather just go and have fun, you know? <laughs> yes. When I was in Edinburgh, I went there to sell books at the UFO conference. I missed the conference. Uh, normally when somebody's on stage talking, everybody goes and sits down and then they get up and they come back to the vendors tables and then they go back and sit and didn't happen this time. I was flocked the whole time and I missed everybody's uh stories yeah i caught i caught the last half hour of nick pope on stage and that was it uh, yeah yeah that's the thing i mean i don't know i i just feel like um for me i i'm not really into the whole vendor thing uh I, if i'm gonna go to these things I, i'd rather just kind of go and chill out ha- have fun hang out uh but i think it seems like maybe the best time to go to point pleasant is when nobody else is there yeah you can get in the museum. You don't have to wait for people to get out of your way. Yeah. We were there. We had the whole place to ourselves. That's nice. All right, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor for today's show, which is HelloFresh. So, Hello Good Food. I freaking love HelloFresh. Not only are they giving us great deals, but they also give you jaw-dropping flavor, bust your mouth open, I'm in heaven goodness stuff right there on your kitchen table. HelloFresh is great because it cuts out the stressful meal planning that everybody hates. How many of you say to your significant other, hey, what do you want for dinner this week? And what's the answer back more often than not? I don't know. I hate the meal prep. My wife hates the meal prep. And with HelloFresh, meal prep goes out the window. The food arrives at my house ready to rock. All I got to do is put it together and boom, the family's eating good tonight. The flavors are amazing. I can't stress that enough. The flavor of the food that they're sending and the recipes are second to none. Not only is the food great and the convenience is there, but HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing any quality. That I don't know what else to say other than what are you waiting for? And if you want to actually change your meal, if you want to change your plan, it's easy because they have an app. You can do it within minutes. Anything from your delivery day to your food preferences to even the size of your meal plan, it's all right there in the app, convenient there, waiting for you. And right now, go to HelloFresh.com. This is the best part. I'm telling you, this is the best part. Pay attention. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals14 and use code Confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. It's easy to remember. 
confessionals14. If you want that 14 free meals, go to hellofresh.com slash confessionals14. Use that promo code confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals plus shipping. Go! So that's the Jeepers Creep. Uh, I always mess that up. Jeepers Creepers creature. Yeah. Uh, uh, say that ten times fast. And uh, but Texas is is a state that I've been hearing more and more people talk about. Well, down south, but Texas as well about the rake. And yes. uh, that's something that's been popping up on your radar as well on a on a personal level as well as other people seeing these things, right? Yes. My wife and I had gone to San Antonio for whatever reason. We used to go there a lot. Haven't been there. <laughs> haven't been there in about a year and a half now. But uh, we used to go to San Antonio all the time. And we we're coming back. It was uh, getting close to midnight. My wife was asleep. And as you come into town, there's a sharp curve right after a railroad bridge. And you have to watch because people have a tendency, oh, I've got to get off at this exit. And they'll just zip right in front of you. So I always slow down like 55 miles an hour to negotiate under the bridge. As I'm coming up on the railroad bridge, I see a guy on his hands and knees. And he's scuttling up this cement barricade. Now, the barricade is about a 45 degree angle. Not the kind of thing you'd walk up normally. But he is scuttling up it. And I'm watching him as I'm coming under the bridge and I'm slowing down because I can't really wrap my head around what I'm looking at. He looked like a concentration camp victim, that best description. He was rail skinny to a point where you could see the bones, you could see the knobs where the, where the joints were. And he's going up this cement incline on his hands and knees. But in my mind, I'm thinking the guy is moving more like a spider than a human. And he was literally scuttling up this cement wall, uh, 45 degree angle. So as I go by, I am really going slow. And I'm looking at this guy thinking I should stop and see, is the guy okay? Is there something wrong with him? But then I'm thinking, I've got my wife in the truck with me. If I stop, you know, I'm responsible for what happens to her, what happens to me, what happens to this guy. And I'm not on duty. So I don't really have a... uh, justifiable reason to stop so i kept going to the house told my wife what i'd seen and she thought oh it's probably just some wino some really really bad shape wino didn't think much of it after that a podcast that i listened to all the time expanded perspectives a couple of guys out of weatherford texas they were talking about the rake i thought well i wonder what the rake looks like so i look it up on the computer And the images that I saw, that's what I saw under the railroad bridge, scuttling up this wall. I thought, did I actually just see the rake? And the more I thought about it, you know, you got the image burned into your mind. That's what I saw. The image on the computer was the image that I had seen under the railroad bridge. So I thought, well, that was just plain weird. I'm writing the book, Paranormal Laredo, asking people for stories. And the guy says, well, me and my buddy were coming back from Encinal, which is partway to San Antonio. 
We're driving south on 35, and we saw a super skinny guy with pure white skin jump the K rail, run across I-35, and disappear into the bushes. And when they told me where they were, they were about 100 yards north of the railroad bridge where I'd seen that thing. And I quick pulled up a photograph of the rake from the internet. I showed it to them, and they said, that's what we saw, both of them. Uh, quite a surprise. Yeah. Then uh, talking to people, like I said, hand them a business card. Ever seen a ghost? Ever seen a UFO? Ever seen a rifted? Guy said that he was working in an oil field situation. He was one of the, the workers. They'd set up some pumps along a road, and they wanted to document the serial numbers on the pumps. Nice, quick, fast, easy way to do it. Click a picture of it with your cell phone. So he took a picture of the pumps. You can see the cell phone. You can see where it's parked. That way, if anybody messes with it, you know what's going on. He gets home. He looks at the picture of the pump and Standing on the other side of the pump was this skinny, white creature, big black eyes, staring at him. And it was kind of hunched down in the middle of the road. Once again, I pull up a picture of the rake on my cell phone and we compared the two. And that's what it, we did. That's what he'd seen. Uh, this was about 20 miles out of town, uh, the middle of the nowhere on a ranch at an oil rig. Uh, Several people have reported seeing something weird running around in that general vicinity, though, of the railroad bridge. And it's one of those things. Every time I drive past the bridge now, and you can ask my wife, I slow way down and I look up the side of the road trying to see if there's anything up there this time. It's the kind of thing. It's like seeing a flying saucer, though. It's like you see one and you're going to spend the rest of your life looking for the second one and it may never happen. Yeah. But yeah, we've got that weird skinny white creature and it's been seen. Maybe four or five different people have reported it now. Well, you know what I'm finding interesting about what you said, you saw where you saw it and where these other people are seeing it is that it, it's by these roads. It's a lot of these drive-bys. And I remember uh, I've had quite a few, not quite a few, a few people on the show that have had rake encounters. Mm -hmm. And the very first one was a guy named Guy out of Texas. And uh, he, I think he was, he was riding with uh, him and his friend. And I'm not sure if there's anybody else in the car, but they saw two of these things. And what I found interesting with what you said was it was walking up a, a very steep slope on all four. Hmm. And uh, his friend sketched what they saw, and they started looking around the internet for what they saw, and it was the rake. And uh, it, it's just his his encounter was a drive by. Yours was mm -hmm. several other people you've talked to with these drive by encounters. It seems like these things aren't very afraid of cars or being mm -hmm. seen. It's not like they're trying to be discreet. Where where did the guy? Where did Guy have his encounter, or do you remember? The Guy Guy uh, had his encounter. Uh, you know, so I had him come and share his story live when I was doing that Houston show. Mm -hmm. He came from Houston, or not from Houston, from Dallas. So 
if I remember correctly, it was the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't near Laredo, mm-hmm. but because um, I know Texas isn't like Rhode Island where every town's a next door neighbor. Houston <laughs> is the size of Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, the King Ranch. I, I couldn't even tell you how big the King Ranch is. It it fills an entire county. Unbelievable. That's crazy. I, I had no idea how big Texas was like comparatively until I drove from Dallas, Texas to Houston and it took like four hours and I'm looking at the map. I'm like, but it's just next to each other yeah. right here, you know, and it takes me four hours to drive from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. And so that's just, it just gives me perspective as to how huge that state is. Just be glad you weren't going from El Paso to Orange, Texas. It's is it, about 980 miles. Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> Not interested. It's, it's, you know, we've got a big state. Uh, I can't even think how big Alaska is. Uh, that, that place is just ridiculously huge. Yeah. Lots yeah, we, we, such a big state, we get a little of everything. Uh, Bigfoot sightings, uh, big bird sightings, giant birds, ghosts, uh, it's a happening state. No, it sure is. I mean, uh, I've heard so many things out of Texas, and uh, it, it it it's just uh, it has to be partly because of the size. There's geographically speaking, there's more opportunity for weird things to happen. But um, what about Sasquatch with Laredo? Is there any kind of reports of Sasquatch Sasquatch around there? I kept saying people would ask me when I was writing different books or I was selling books and they would say, Hey, has anybody ever seen Bigfoot? Especially little kids. And I'd always tell them now we don't have Bigfoot in this area because it's too hot. And then I started hearing reports about Bigfoot in our area. Uh, Alice, Texas, which is, is it 90 miles? No. I think it's 60 miles to our East, a little bitty town. And just north of Alice is Lake Alice, which is also called Finley Lake. Go figure. Little bitty lake. It's got two names. So the police in the Alice area, the sheriff's department and the police department, keep getting reports that people are seeing Bigfoot roaming around Lake Alice. They say they see it. They hear it. They've seen footprints. Uh, they keep they, they swear it's out there. So the police have actually taken the reports. I was surprised because I drove over to Lake Alice. Well, I drove over to Alice, Texas, and I asked at the police station about it. And there was, yeah, well, let, let me get you to talk to so-and-so. They've got all the reports. And it's a pretty prevalent thing. It's not a big lake. And the weird thing is it's surrounded by farmland. So for a big creature to sneak in and out of the lake, it would be pretty difficult unless it's only doing it at night when there's no moon. Well, while I'm investigating this, I hear from a friend of mine, a guy named Joe, who is a paranormal investigator also. He was driving from Corpus Christi to Laredo. He he lives in Laredo, but he, he was from Corpus. And he was going home to visit his family and then driving back for work. He's traveling at about 4 o'clock in the morning, and he's on 
59 coming from Freer, which you've got Laredo, Freer, Alice. He's coming from Freer halfway to Laredo, and he sees a couple of deer standing on the side of the road. Well, when you see deer standing on the roadside of the fence, you slow down because these things aren't the smartest creatures on the planet. They've been known to run right out in front of your car. So he's slowing down just to make sure these two deer don't run in front of him. And he looks and he sees this creature standing on the other side of the fence from these two deer. And the first thought through his mind is, that's Bigfoot. He kept going down the road a little ways, slammed on his brakes because it's like, oh, my God, I just saw Bigfoot. He turns around because he wants to get another look. As he's coming up on the spot where these two deer had been standing, he said he was suddenly overcome with this horrible feeling of terror. He said it was one of these things, he's, his hands are shaking on the steering wheel. And he, he's, he's afraid that this thing is going to come out of the woods, out of the trees and attack him. The, the feeling of terror continued until he was about a half mile down the road from where he'd seen this thing. And then it was gone and he felt okay again. And then he realized he's heading the wrong direction. He's got to turn around. He's got to oh, drive back man. past this thing again. And Joe, I don't think you had a, a anything in the vehicle, maybe a tire iron. And he was thinking this thing is huge. It's like eight feet tall compared to the fence. The fence was four and a half feet tall to the top wire. So this thing was a good another three and a half feet above that. So he's figuring it's about eight feet tall. And he said it was all he could do to turn around and drive back past this spot. Once again, knuckles white on the steering wheel, shaking, sweating, not wanting to see what he had wanted to see just a minute ago. And he just kept on going all the way to Laredo, just happy to still be alive. Now, I thought that's pretty unusual, but you lump that in with what's going on at Lake Alice, and it's like, maybe there is something going on around here. Have you ever heard the expression, a woo? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I think people would call me woo at times the way I talk. So call me whatever you want to call me. Woo, woo, I don't care, whatever. I have been uh, christened with that name by a lot of the Bigfoot community okay because I entertain the concept that possibly Bigfoot is not a flesh and blood creature maybe it is transdimensional I think only in this community of the paranormal not just Bigfoot but in the paranormal if you're not willing to entertain thought on so many different levels yeah. And I think you're going about it wrong. We're, we're this is paranormal. These are things mm -hmm. that aren't are normal. Yeah. It, but you want to define it and think about it in your normal frame of mind mm -hmm. to for your own feel goods. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Um, I've had people talking to me about Bigfoot because they know I'm interested. I go to the conventions, and as soon as they find out that I'm one of those people, uh, they don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> Well, I'll talk to you. It's, it's like, <laughs> I don't care. If I spent the rest of my life worried about what other people thought about what I thought, I wouldn't be able to get anything done. 
uh, I was at a Bigfoot conference one time and this guy comes up and he's talking about, we don't want these fringe people hanging around and with their weird ideas about UFOs. And, And as he's talking, all of a sudden his eyes roll up and he's looking at my baseball cap and it said UFO magazine on it. And I'm a good six inches taller than this guy and probably a a good 80 pounds heavier than him. You know, I work out. And all of a sudden, he, he got this scared look. <laughs> he said, it's like, dude, I don't care what you think of me. <laughs> but he didn't want to talk anymore. But, yeah, we've had recently, uh, which is also in the book Paranormal Laredo, a police officer was contacted by a man on the south side of town who said, to begin with, he thought he saw a bear walking across Pita Mangana Road, which is right next to the Walmart Superstore. Big, brand new Walmart. No sales, no uh, checker outers. It's all, you got to check yourself out. Anyway, he said he saw a bear crossing the road right behind the Superstore. And as he's talking, he's talking to this police officer that I know. And the guy's story, he's getting slower as he talks and he's getting slower. And he says, you know, that thing was walking on two legs. Then he he actually looked at the police officer and said, I think it was Bigfoot. Uh, There's a huge field behind this Walmart store. I mean, it's just nothing out there. If you look at it on Google Earth or you look at it on a map, you'd think, oh, that's wide open. But you get back in there and you can't see the building. You can't see any of the roads from back in. The the, the brush is just super thick. Moments later, a second motorist, the same location, talking to another police officer, is giving the exact same description. And he said, I saw Bigfoot walking across the road right back there. This is two guys telling the story. They're actually willing to tell the police what they'd seen. And when the police officer was telling me, he was like, I don't know what the guy saw. We went back. We looked. We didn't see any footprints. The thing just walked off the planet. Vanished. That's woo. Uh, That's woo. I'll I'll tell you, man. Uh, Chris, the very first time I ever went to a Bigfoot conference... Uh, I was, I was, uh, christened with the, you know, the, we don't do the woo woo thing around here. And, and I, I honestly, back then I didn't either. I was like, cause I, I didn't really, I was just new into looking into the topic. And I, I, as far as my limited perspective from these things, I hadn't talked to people about their encounters or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, this, this must be just a hairy creature that we can't keep up with in the woods. And so like this guy, and I'm not, I'm not going to drop his name. I know a lot of people know mm-hmm. who he is and I don't want to, I don't want to start beef, but I'll tell you what he said. <laughs> he, he starts talking about, uh, you know, Bigfoot and their capabilities, physical capabilities. And then Mm -hmm. somebody asked the question about, it was some kind of wooey question. And he went on and on and on about how the woo has no place in serious Bigfoot research. And uh, he, he was just, you know, basically crapping on anybody who thought that Bigfoot could be anything 
other than just a primate that we can't find. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. dude, you sound extremely close-minded. Tell me why I should listen to you again. What's that What's that uh, book say? Elkins Creek oh, by nice. James Aiken. He was a sheriff's deputy in Georgia, I believe. And he followed a Bigfoot set of tracks out into a clearing and they disappeared. And when he was telling a particular group of Bigfoot investigators this, they were really interested until he said, and the tracks just disappeared. And suddenly they didn't want to talk to him anymore. Of course. <laughs> of course. And, and like, I, I'm the kind of guy, I'm just like, I don't know what Bigfoot is. Mm. And I'm fine being wrong. Because mm-hmm. quite frankly, I don't care at the end of the day what Bigfoot ends up being. I just, I'm interested to find out what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's the people who get the, so much skin in the game of one side. Like, let me tell you what it is. You don't freaking know what it yeah. is. You know why? I don't. I know you don't know what it is because you haven't been able to prove it exists yet. So don't mm-hmm. tell me you know what it is if you can't prove to the world that Bigfoot yeah. even exists. Jeez. Yeah. Drives uh, me they, nuts. Remember all the people talking about the end of the world? December 21st, 2012. Yeah, 2012, yeah. You don't hear a whole lot out of those folks anymore. (laughs) I I hope they sold a lot of books because they're not selling any today. Uh, If you're going to tie all of your horses to one tree, you just better hope that tree is still there when you come back. (laughs) And these, you know, people will swear up and down, it's not this, it's not that. We don't know what it is, but we know what it's not. It's like, if you don't know what it is, you can't know what it isn't. Um, but what can you do? Yeah. And, uh, and the, the people that, that I, I swear, it's like number one thing for a reason. And they're like, well, we got to keep, we got to get, the, we got to either keep or get the respect of the scientific community. It's like, they don't respect you to begin with. Okay. First of all, you're, you don't have a PhD in anything. They're not going to respect anything you have to say because you hike around in the forest on the weekends. All right. And, and second of all, Second of all, I'm not interested in getting science, the, the science community's approval on what I do, mm-hmm. because in today's world, look around you, like the, the UFO stuff, right? That stuff, years ago, people were like, well, we got to be careful about how we approach the UFO topic because, you know, we don't want to talk about, you know, little green men because then we got, we'll lose the respect of the scientific community. And now what do we have? The government coming out saying we have craft that weren't made here on earth. Where's mm-hmm. the scientific community now? You know, yeah. it's like, I'm not interested in getting anybody's respect. We're just here to talk about what people have seen and logically look at things and be like, oh, so you're saying you actually saw it disappear. Yeah. Okay. Let's write that down. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's just so silly. I, I, I get a little, you know, yeah. warm blooded when I start talking about this stuff. It, it irritates me. It, it just irritates me. Now that the government is coming clean, what do you suppose the men in black are going to do for a living? <laughs> well, I, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'm thinking they'll find something. You know what? I think they'll start doing, they'll start coming after the people who've seen rakes. So you better watch mm. out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked my wife that a couple of times. It's like, what what really blows my mind, though, is here we've got this Pentagon report. Well, it looked like, what was it, two pages long? And they didn't really say anything. No, I, I could have called that. You know, I was expecting less. But the weird thing is, there's not a whole lot of people out there going like, oh, my God, it's real. Yeah. 
uh, I haven't heard anybody that I know of that's like, holy cow, it's true. There really are flying saucers. The people that knew there were flying saucers still know it. And the people that don't believe it still don't believe it. Yes. Yep. That's weird. I'll tell you, like it, it, what you just said reminds me of uh, the mental state that a guy I used to work with has. He so he he's he says I'm a Christian, right? And I'm like, okay. And so he's like, I don't believe in Bigfoot, and I don't believe in you know ghosts, and and I'm saying, well, what about UFOs? Everybody's seen UFOs. I mean, it's literally in the definition, unidentified flying mm-hmm. object. We don't know what it is. We're not saying it's aliens. We're just saying we don't know what it is. He's like, nope, don't believe it. And I said, all right, well, you're a Christian. Uh, you believe in demonic things then i'm assuming and he's like nope don't believe in demons i'm like what like i was like i was like what about the one where jesus cast out demons nope don't believe it i'm like okay bro i don't know what to do for you i don't i don't know what to do for you at this point you know like whatever oh Uh, man well listen I, i i could uh we could go back and forth on this kind of stuff all night long but I want to make sure I get you talking about the imaginary friends first before we wrap this up. That, that completely blew my mind when I first uh, heard about it from Blanca, who's the grandmother of a little girl. And it's one of these deals where I don't know if it's considered normal in other parts of the country, but along the border for kids to live with their grandparents is considered normal. You live with grandparents, you live with parents, live with the grandparents. It's, it's a normal function. My wife lived with her grandmother for years just because, hey, she needs somebody to you know be around the house with her, that kind of thing. So this woman is taking care of this little girl. And the little girl, of course, has got this imaginary play friend named Yaya. And every time the grandmother is doing something, every time Blanca is doing something, oh, you got to you got to give Yaya a sandwich. You got to help Yaya take a bath. The the whole imaginary friend thing. And the, the grandmother was being a good grandmother and not not freaking out or anything. Well. It turns out that Yaya's face was hidden. You couldn't see her face. And the grandmother's like, well, why is that? And this little girl who shouldn't know this sort of thing says that when she was a little girl, when she was alive, her dad threw a radio into the bathtub and killed her. Now, how many little girls are going to come up with that as a backstory for their imaginary friend? Well, the grandmother's like, okay, never mind. I don't want to see this little girl now. Well, the the girl's aunt they had a security camera outside their house and she saw a little girl standing outside the house like waiting to come in she thought it was the the granddaughter it would have been her niece so she runs to the front door opens looks out there's nobody there she closes the door goes back into the house looks on the security camera here's this little girl standing outside the door again She runs to the front, opens the door, looks outside, no little girl. So she calls the grandmother wanting to know where is the daughter? Where's the little girl, the the live one? And she says, oh, she's here with me. 
She's like, well, then who's this standing outside my house? And the little girl says, oh, that's Yaya. So wait a minute. Your imaginary friends are not supposed to be visible to other people. Uh, this this kept going on. Uh, other members of the family, like the, the 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 uncle, was getting upset because he didn't like having Yaya in the house with him, and it just kept getting worse and worse. Well, the shop I go to to get my coffee a lot, uh, the organic man coffee trick, best coffee in the world. They don't sponsor me, but I get a lot of coffee there. Uh, I've been there talking to him and I mentioned about this imaginary friend and the girl behind the counter says, my niece used to have an imaginary friend who would hover up in the corner of the room and look down at her. It's like imaginary friends are supposed to be down there on the floor with you to play with. They're not supposed to be hanging around up by the, the ceiling, uh, making Ugly faces, uh, keeping yeah. you awake at night when you're supposed to be asleep. But it's gotten to a point where you wonder what these imaginary friends are they are they in their minds? And if so, how come other people are seeing these things on camera? Uh, people are hearing them moving around the house at night. Uh, the the gal at the coffee shop was saying that she'd hear somebody knocking on the window at night. Uh, Two story house. And somebody's outside the bedroom window knocking. Of course, she'd run and look out there and there's nobody there. And the imaginary friend apparently disappears as the person gets older. They stop showing up. But Yaya has been showing up until recently. Uh, the, the, the little girl, I believe, became a teenager before Yaya stopped hanging around. It's been... Uh, a very weird story. I don't have all the details straight in my mind because I wrote that book, what, uh, two years ago? And it was so many weird things about this imaginary friend. <laughs> but Yaya, like I said, other people saw her, other people heard her. And the whole time it's supposed to be this imaginary friend that this little girl had just come up with off the top of her head. Yeah, I... I know in the email you mentioned how like it, it took dozens of emails between them yes. to get back to you and stuff and and all the whole story, but yeah yeah sounds Dutch first of all yeah yeah but mm. <laughs> oh. I, <laughs> I'm just saying I, I, my wife to told me that I'm starting to do a lot of the bad dad jokes and that was probably <laughs> one of them, but uh, no I I've always wondered about the whole uh, you know imaginary friend thing where it's like you know it, not all these may not be imaginary friends i mean it, for instance uh, who gave it the imaginary friend label usually the parents mm -hmm. do out yeah. of comfort you know like my kids seeing things oh it's an imaginary yeah. friend what if it's not you know mm -hmm. <laughs> what if it's not doesn't sound like yaya yeah, yeah, was because you shouldn't be seeing no. other people's imaginary friends uh, it would show up on the security camera but when she'd look outside the door it wasn't there which is very similar to the girl that was at the LEA. They could see her on the camera, but they couldn't see her in the parking lot. And uh, I've, I've heard it both ways also. I've heard where people will see somebody, they'll go to take a picture and they don't show up on the camera. 
And then I've heard where they've taken a picture, they see somebody on their camera that wasn't there in the first place. So it makes you wonder what the world's going on. Well, uh, uh, I, I one, I don't know. I don't think you're claiming to know. And nope. uh, I, I, that's what I think is important with these uh, these kind of shows that I have, you have, is that, you know, it just, it brings people to this point on the table where it's like, okay, you know, the world is a little weird and we don't have the answers to everything and it's okay to talk about it. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing here. If, if these things were explained, it wouldn't be entertaining. It wouldn't be exciting. It wouldn't be interesting. The day they catch a Bigfoot, bring him into town and they say, look, here it is. Here's Bigfoot. It's not going to be interesting anymore. Are you familiar with Oak Island treasure of the money pit? Am I, am I familiar with it? Listen, I, I, first of all, I'm fascinated with hunting treasure. Oak Island, my Lord, if they offered me a stake on that Island, I'd take it. I tell my wife all the time though, no matter what they find, if they do find the Ark of the Covenant, the bottom of that hole, it's not going to be exciting enough. Whatever they dig up at the bottom of that, it's got to be earth shattering. And then it's going to be like, oh, shoot. The story's over. There's no more mystery. Yeah. We found what's at the bottom of the hole. Well, that's going to ruin that show. <laughs> I know. Well, that's how I feel about the whole UFO disclosure. I was like, man, I hope they don't have anything good in there because it might ruin my show. <laughs> like no. all of a sudden the mystery's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, no. I, I had faith in my government that they would not tell me anything. <laughs> so they, they no. held true to form. <laughs> I kept telling people at the Edinburgh UFO conference, people kept saying, do you think they're going to tell us anything new? No, uh, no, no. They're going to rehash a whole bunch of stuff we've already heard. They're not going to really tell us anything. It's going to be a whole lot of double speak. And you're going to walk away going like, what the heck did that guy just say? And that's what they did. Exactly. Exactly. I can't tell you how many people were, you know, are you, are you looking for the disclosure? Are you excited? I'm like, I'm, listen, listen, if it's worth anything, I'll hear about it from you first. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the way I approached it. I was like, you know, they're not going to no. Not at all. I like what I like what George Knapp said. He went to Russia to talk to the KGB agents, hoping that he would get some information from them about sightings of UFOs in the United States. Well, that's a good angle to take. That's yeah. a good. That's a great angle to take. I used to have a book a long time ago. I think it was by Glenn Campbell, but I'm not going to swear. Not the singer, the the UFO guy. And in it was a picture of Area 51. And I'm talking years ago, and I found out later that it was actually against the law to have that photograph, even though it was in a book that I had bought. But he had got the photo from a Russian intelligence agent. Wow. Somehow. And it's like, I don't know if that's exactly legal or not. I don't have the book anymore. I loaned it to somebody and they kept it. Uh, But yeah, it it was just hilarious. He had to buy a picture of a top secret U.S. base from a guy in Russia. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I got a show coming up in uh, probably a a few weeks to a month or so. I imagine this guy's coming up soon. Uh, He worked on Area 2, I believe. Oh, S2? Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, yeah, yeah, S2. Yeah. 
and he had some interesting stories. He had some interesting stories. And I've been patiently waiting to put that show mm. out. So <laughs> the audience can look forward to that for sure. I've actually met one guy that said he worked at Area 51. He was in the military. And I asked him, he wouldn't say a word. He just said he was assigned there. He was in security. And that was it. And it was like, yeah. no, not going to stop. He, he, still, he still had the stripes and he didn't want to lose them. Yeah, it's understandable. Most, most uh, people, you know, of sane mind would say, yeah. Not on my watch. You're not going to get mm. me to talk about it. You know, uh, we're looking for the crazy ones that have nothing to lose to talk. So. <laughs> but uh, Chris, man, you have had a lot of stories to share with us and your book here. It has tons more in it. Yes. And uh, for the audience listening right now, this is a over 200 page book filled with stories. The book's called Paranormal Laredo. Where can mm-hmm. people get your book at? If you're in Laredo, which the few people are, you can get it at the Organic Man Coffee Tripe because they sell books there or at the Phoenix Bookstore on Victoria Street. If you don't live in Laredo and you're not coming this direction, you can get it at Amazon.com. Uh, Just look for Paranormal Laredo. It should be the only one that pops up. That, And you can get the other two, the Laredo Paranormal Research Society and Fort McIntosh and the Paranormal. And... None of the stories, like if I talk about it in one story, I just don't really talk about it a lot in the others so that you're not reading the same thing over again. Yeah. Uh, I hate it when people do that. Like you buy a brand new book and the first half of it is stuff you've already read. Yep. That's, uh, that's annoying. That's uh requirements by a publisher to have a certain amount of pages. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's great, man. And hopefully people go check it out. And also... Your, the name of your podcast is what? Because people are going to be interested in the beginning. I don't think you said the name of the podcast. I don't think. It's it's Strange Things with Chris James. And you have to type out the whole thing because there's 35 other people that have podcasts that start with Strange Things. Uh, Joshua P. Warren has one. Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. But I had the name first. I had it before the TV show. It sounds Two like months. it's it sounds like you have a little franchise going there. Strange things franchise. <laughs> if only I was making some money on I don't care what people <laughs> call themselves, but it's getting a little complicated. Uh yeah. And it's it's the whole thing. Strange things with Chris James. You can find me on iHeartRadio, uh, uh Stitcher, uh all the big names, iTunes. Uh if it's if it's a podcasting platform they should have awesome man yeah i know when i went through when i first started this show i came up with the name the confessionals in my truck and uh the first thing i did was i went to apple podcasts and searched for the confessionals to see if there was a podcast out there called that already and there wasn't and then i think like the year i started like maybe six months into me starting this this show somebody else started a show called the confessional and mm. uh, it, it has nothing to do with paranormal or anything like that. But I was like, come on, man, like yeah. <laughs> get on your own block. You know, this is my block here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, there's uh, some people, I guess they just can't come up with a, an original idea. It's kind of like the thing with Bigfoot. You had Finding Bigfoot, and then you had Mountain Monsters, you had Alaskan Monsters, you had Underground Monsters and 
beat it to death. Yeah. Uh, we had ghost hunters. Then you had ghost something else, the paranormal ghost this, adventures. paranormal that. It's like, holy cow, the travel channel should change their name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. They're only doing things that are profitable. So mm-hmm. they, whatever they're doing, you can bet if there's two, three seasons, it's because it's profitable. Because if it's not profitable mm-hmm. after the first season, yeah. it's gone, you know? So uh, anyways, Chris, I could talk to you for hours here. <laughs> but friend, thank you for joining me on the show. And uh, everybody should definitely check out your podcast and book. Thanks for being here, man. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I've been listening to you for years. And all of a sudden, one day, I thought, maybe you'd like to be on with me or yes. me be on with you and so yes. I sent you a note and it worked absolutely absolutely it's, it's as easy as that chris i mean you're you're a testament testimony right there uh I, I so many times people will say you know i wasn't sure if i should email i'm like i say that every show the confessionals mm-hmm. i know it's the longest email in the world i probably could have thought of something shorter but the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com it's it, this is not a you, you know that's not seven stories below my pay grade. I, I get the emails. So uh, just shoot me an email, everybody. Chris did it and he got on the show. So, all right, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share it because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. You all got cell phones. Take the link of this show and text it to everybody in your phone. Just spam the heck out of them. I'm sure they're going to thank you for it later. And also, please go ahead and subscribe to my show, my other show, Hammer Lane Legends. I do it with my dad. It's a podcast where we talk to people from the transportation industry and all the bananas things drivers see from the road. So if that interests you, go ahead and subscribe to Hammer Lane Legends today on any podcast playing platform and on YouTube. So while you're over there subscribing to the Confessionals YouTube channel, go and subscribe to Hammer Lane Legends YouTube channel. Thank you very much. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Trading these stocks. All I know is they put in a lot of gates around props. I forgot the dude's name, but he.
worry. Take a look at my pot. My journey will be long for I hit the gurney. I ain't even that a curse. See, it smells good when you move like you should. Y'all signs coated minds. Wherever it's gentrified. You take a peek to the hood from your house on the inside. Your home, I have hurt the feature, so we're more proud. Everyone drive rubbers, everyone for their clothes, full of clothes, Miscellaneous ball. I only wrote this first cause schedule was a fall and I'm sick of you on someone no shed metal and tools. Yeah, trust the science and make believe medical rules. Yeah, we just need armor, not big pharma. We just say prayers, only good karma. Faster with sauna, plus time with daughter. We a suit of dust, is it you I trust? Died on my rear view, I reached to adjust. He told me lift my head, but watch my steps. These chances he gives a land community chest. Cause the world monopolizes anything left. Just peas in the pot as they piss in the pot. I transition from a human to a god. I'm walking in his image, this isn't a mirage. Yeah, the game hurts. That's why I configure the framework to disintegrate a subject you are aim for the brain versus mask adoption. Got us breathing in toxins. What are they concocting? Why they got us all by still? The sweetest sour, the cause obnoxious. You're a coward, ignoring the nonsense of Garner or maintaining flowers. Once again, I brought this life from the powers. Nicola. You're so connected with all the infections and all the inceptions. Your belly human, all your perceptions. So misdirected with no reflection. Your belly To your mainframe, wipe your clean, that's a class of the reset. On the same IP, so they chain my feet. Vax pass ain't safe, it's a vague ID. Little JIT, quick consuming what they selling, they lying like AOC. Abuela, abuela, I cannot save ya. Trump did this to you. We'll take no They get you drinking from a septic cup You ain't septical, I messed them up When I came through like Cuddy and I dressed them up I blessed them up, possessing them But telling me that God ain't real I'm defiant It takes less faith in him than believing in science Maybe I'm biased, they think it's right Maybe you're right, look at the minds I ain't here to crumble, let's build an alliance We're being compliant, waiting for the bullets to fly False flags waving in the wind, full of some lies False flags waving in the wind Full of some light, ha, ha, ha. 